hospital. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to the On Blast podcast. Where, as always, we, we just like give you our thoughts. It's just my thoughts, man. Right or wrong, just what we're feeling at the time. NBA All-Star Weekend is normally a great time of year for NBA fans, Twitter fans, which we both fall into that category. But of course. the Woj bomb that was dropped after oh. a lackluster All-Star game, which I was still entertained by for the most part. I don't know if it was lackluster. You had Giannis thrown down on Steph Curry. He had some good plays in it, but it, it was an NBA All-Star game. It was what we expected, I think. I mean, hey, I was entertained. As I said, I was entertained. Most people weren't, but that was until late, just after the game ended. In fact, post-game interviews were going on with DeMarcus Cousins, and he sits down to do the post-game interview, and you hear a PR guy yell, all right, just all-star questions, all-star questions only. And Boogie says, wait, what other questions would there be? And my guy leans in and whispers into his ear what we can only assume to be, you've just been traded to the New Orleans Pelicans. Which, first off, just starting from that point right there, Webby, first off, I should say who I'm on here. I'm Sheldon Alexander. I'm here with Andrew Webster. See, I was so hype that I didn't even get to the introductions. That's how hype I was. That's how hype of a moment it was. That's how hot the stove is right now in the NBA. We We don't need introductions. There's too much going on right now. Let's just get right to it, just as the reporters got right to it with Boogie. Like, what's going on in his mind in that moment when he's told in the post-game interview following the All-Star game, you've just been traded? What what was your reaction? It's so great because you can see it on his face, and you can almost see the wheels turning in his head when the guy says to him, you're now a member of the New Orleans Pelicans. And he goes, oh, man. He's like, oh, damn, really? He's like, all right. And then the, the answer to the question afterwards He's like, the reporter asked him, you know, uh, how did you like playing in the All-Star game? And he goes, I love New Orleans. I love the fans here. And I love the city. I mean, you can almost see the weight being taken off his shoulders that he doesn't have to play for the Kings anymore. So there's, it's interesting you bring that up because there's a couple different angles to this, right? Like Boogie kind of over the last week was on this whole thing where he was trying to sell that he wanted to stay in Sacramento. He wanted to be a part of the team. He wanted his jersey to be retired. That was kind of his whole dialogue. But when you really right. kind of like take a peek behind, you know, kind of go behind the scenes with it, you figure he's really just saying that because he wants that big time deal, which he was set to get in this offseason. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. And he said, he, I mean, that that even came out when all this was going down with the trade was that it, it, he doesn't intend to re-sign with the Pelicans. I mean, he might end up once he once he becomes a, a unrestricted free agent at the end of next season. But I mean, he's going for the big money, and good on him for it. I mean, absolutely. So, just to clarify for those, like, what's going on now is if he had stayed with the New Orleans Pelicans at the end of this season, he has one year left on his deal. He would have signed an extension, which would have netted him, I think, it's five years, two hundred and. 10 million dollars yeah 210 or 209 somewhere in there yeah somewhere in there and then now that he's been traded just the way that the cba's written now that he's been traded to a different team the stipulations dip down and the most he can get is five years 180 so basically getting traded has costed him 30 million dollars so when people look back at all the dialogue that was going on last week or I guess not even last week, a few days ago this season, or a few days ago at the All-Star game, pardon me, um, and Boogie's talking about how much he wants to stay. 
$30 million kind of gives you that fallback as to why he was so adamant in, yes, I want to stay here. I want to play my whole career here. He's just saying what he has to with an agent in his ear telling him, hey, man, that's $30 million that you right. that you have on the line here if you just say you want to stay. But, I mean, he kind of gets the best of both worlds here in that if he stays if he stayed with Sacramento, yeah, he gets that $30 million, but he's got to stay in an organization that's basically based in dysfunction for the past 20 years. I mean, the last time they were good were, was, I mean, I was still in high school, yeah, you know, the so early 2000s. I mean, so, so either he stays there, the organization says, yeah, we're going to commit to Boogie, and he gets the $210 million and stays in Sacramento, or... That $30 million is out the window, but he gets a new start almost, you know? Exactly, and, exactly. And so he can kind of, they never they say that you can never suck and blow, but it seems that in this, in this moment, after the All-Star game, Boogie Cousins was able to suck and blow. Like he gets he, he either gets the money and gets paid the extra 30 mil, or he takes the pay cut and he gets a new start in a winning organization. Well, maybe not a winning organization, but definitely a... Uh, a team outlook that's a little more positive than Sacramento's is with New Orleans. Undoubtedly. And I, I think it, to take that even a step further, I think uh, you're looking at a team that uh, is better than taking a step forward. You're taking two, what, top 10 NBA players and putting them on the same team? Like, Absolutely. That's a pretty think, big deal. I think I read today that it's they're the first two teammates averaging over 20 points and 10 rebounds a game on the same team since David Robinson and Tim Duncan. And we know what happened when those two hooked up the last time. They won the NBA championship. It, it, it's crazy, right? And, and the flip side is, I mean, obviously people are wondering if in this modern-day NBA, can you have two bigs like that dominate the ball? Do they have enough guard play, all that? I throw that out the window. Like, I'm about asset management. Give me good players, and I can figure the rest of it out. Because I feel in this whole thing, Boogie's gotten such a bad rap in Sacramento when like that entire organization is just like a pile of crap like from the top down just mass dysfunction you got your boy Vladdy Divox coming out tonight or today telling people that he was actually offered a better deal two days ago and then now that that was off the table he took this deal like why are you leaking that information into the media like who does that benefit right but you I mean, look at what he's been surrounded absolutely by. flabbergasting sound clip to hear Vladdy say that and all I can think of is that that's a shot at Vivek, at the owner. For sure. Because, I mean, because the trigger wasn't pulled when they had the better deal on the table. And maybe he's, maybe Vladdy is getting sick and tired of what Vivek is doing. And and that's the thing, right? Like, I mean, I'm hearing a lot of people knocking Boogie Cousins and the, the whole storyline is he's a problem child. He's this, he's that, he has right. a bad attitude, all the technicals, which I get. And I totally understand that. But I mean, how happy do you want a guy to be when who is the best teammate he's ever played with? Rudy Gay? Like, I mean, you you haven't put a good team. Rondo, who, like, if we paid attention to anything lately, the Raptors traded Rudy Gay and got better. Rondo has been a disaster every single place he's been since the breaking up of the Celtics. So, I mean, the people that you're putting around, Boogie Cousins, it's not really like a good environment for him to succeed in. And he's been the best player. He's been putting up numbers any day of the week. When you give me a trade and you're telling me you're giving me a top 10 NBA talent, I'm in on that. No? Oh, absolutely. And I mean, you brought it up. I mean, these aren't two stereotypical big men in Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins. These are guys who can stretch the floor. Anthony Davis's mid-range game is one of the best for a big man in the NBA. And Boogie's three-point shooting is, 
the last couple of seasons has been outstanding. I mean, these guys aren't just big stiffs that you're putting down in the low block. These are dynamic offensive players. And I think I'm really excited to see how they make each other better. And I mean, the Pelicans are only two and a half games out of an eight seed. And I mean, if you're the Warriors, that's a tough out in the first round. You've got to see Boogie and Anthony Davis. Well, it's kind of the perfect storm, right? Because you look at it and you think, okay, how can you possibly beat the Warriors? And when you go back to last year and the OKC series, they kind of said people kind of thought they had to go small, right? Like maybe you go surge at the five and you play KD at the four. And they said, no, no, wait a second. We're going to stay big and we're going to try to beat them being big. And it almost worked, right? Like they were up 3-1. Obviously, they blew the 3-1 lead. Clay had to go crazy. But I mean... The, the blueprint isn't to try to out Golden State, Golden State, if unless you're the Houston Rockets who might be able to just shoot the lights out. But we'll save that story for another day. But right. I mean, at the same time, again, you have two great big men. Their plan was to shift Anthony Davis to the four anyways. So now you're yep. going to give me the best center in the league to put beside probably the best, if not soon to be the best power forward in the league. Like this just makes so much sense to me. And the other thing is, you know, to bring this more to uh, uh Toronto Raptors focus, does this kind of, when you see what they got, right? Cause what was it? It was buddy healed package centering around buddy healed, Tyreek Evans, Galloway, Tyreek Hill and the 2017 uh, first round pick for the Pelicans, which is, yeah, what, just their 2017 first-round pick, yeah. First-round pick, and I think they get a second-round pick as well. Oh, so yeah, like yeah, the, yeah. the rebirth of Tyreek Evans in Sacto, Langston Galloway, and— Who they've already cut, Langston Galloway. And Buddy Heald. Like, how does this make sense to me? I don't really understand. But if that's all it took to get DeMarcus Cousins, you might have to beg the question, you know— what was Boston it, thinking? What were the Raptors thinking? And, well, and it might yeah, just be the, the character Raptors issue over- thing, right? Is it the character issue thing? Like they just didn't want to deal with the perceived problem child issues that that Boogie has. Well, and it, it, this is the danger of, of making deals before the trade deadline. I mean, like I, we, we were all going nuts for Masai when this Serge Ibaka trade was was announced. I mean, we I, Raptors fans think that they got a great deal and they ship a first-round pick, the worst of their first-round pick, and Terrence Ross to the Magic for Serge Ibaka. But you look at what the Pelicans did to get Boogie, and it looks like Toronto overpaid to get Serge Ibaka. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if I'm, if I'm ready to go that far because I still don't think you gave up that much to get Serge no. Ibaka. But the, the two factors here, right? Like, one, you're getting Serge Ibaka for half a season guaranteed, but you have the chance to re-sign him, which... I think the Raptors feel like they're in a position where they can and would want to do that. Um, And again, I go back to the point of, you know, maybe the reason why the Raptors and the Celtics and other teams didn't really step up to the plate with Boogie was they were worried about the other issues, like how would he affect their locker room and all that other fun stuff, right? Which, like, I mean... I'm not Masai Jiri. Obviously, Masai Jiri is a gangster. He's way smarter than I am. I'm not claiming to to know better than Masai. That's not what I'm doing here. But what I will say, though, is if I had a chance to get Boogie Cousins, I'm doing it. Like, again, you're getting one of the top, the best big man in the league and one of the top 10 to 12 best players in the NBA. Sign me up any day and I'll figure it out. That's why I pay coaches. That's why I pay assistant coaches. That like that's their whole reason why they're there to figure it out. No, 
yeah, you you brought up the, ex, uh, the the best point. I mean, what am I paying my head coach to do if not to coach these players? I don't care if it's Boogie Cousins or Rondo or Matt Barnes, but if you're getting paid millions of dollars to coach in the NBA, you better be able to coach players in the NBA, and that and that comes with all different types of personalities. So I, I don't buy that. Oh, we're not going to bring Boogie in because what it might mean to our locker room. No, 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 no. This is a a once in a generational talent, and if you can get him for what the Pelicans gave up to get him, you you got to pull the trigger. You have to. Yeah, and and to double down on this whole talk about you know is Boogie a problem child, the technical fouls, all that other stuff that we've been hearing. Like, I mean, weren't the same things said about a Kyle Lowry or more importantly uh, a Rasheed Wallace, right? Like we've yeah. seen this time and time again. A Kevin Garnett. Like, I say it all the time. The, the way that we remember Kevin Garnett now is a lot different than the Kevin Garnett from earlier on in his career, right? And, and you know, people, some people thought he was a jerk, whatever, but when you look at young KG and not many people were watching Minnesota Timberwolves games back in the day, right? Yeah. But you're looking at a young, brash, in-your-face guy that, like, you know, maybe not a lot of people kind of jived with, it, if that makes sense, right? And now Kevin Garnett is on a team by himself, couldn't really get out of the first round. The only time he did really get out of the first round was when you added in a Sam Cassell and a Latrell Sprewell to like really add some pieces around him. Like, and when you look at how you compare that to now the modern NBA in this era where you've seen LeBron jump to play with two other all-stars, you've seen Kevin Durant jump to play with two other all-stars. I mean, again, if I have a team and I have a chance to add one of those top 10 players in the NBA, you have to do it. Because all history tells us is you're not winning an NBA championship if you don't have one of the 10 best players in the league. Right? No, you're absolutely You have you're no chance. Right. You have zero chance. We know that because we've seen it. You brought up a great point with Kevin Garnett because the perception of, of KG before Minnesota loaded up was that this guy was a, uh, Boston, a singular Boston. talent who would never put it together and he would never be part of a championship winning team. But his perception and his personality and the way that the league saw him completely changed when he got pieces around him. Exactly. He became a much more complete player when Cassell and Sprewell showed up. And then when he went to Boston and joined that Celtic squad, he became a leader. So I don't buy that players are a singular personality. You put them around the right pieces and in the right situation and anybody can change. And that goes for Boogie as well. And who knows what happens in New Orleans with a holiday and Davis and Boogie could be really special. And we could see like almost a redemption story with Boogie in this new situation. And that's what I'm excited to see too. For sure. And, and uh, uh, maybe the most perfect example is a Rashid Wallace and is new Orleans, the same atmosphere as what the Detroit Pistons were. No, right. but maybe the better example was the Toronto Raptors, right? Like a team that's kind of made a couple playoff runs and you add in that Boogie Cousins in that kind of sheed role where he's a big guy, he gives you some toughness, some intensity inside, and he's just one of the better players in the league. But you're putting him yeah. into something that's already built. There's a foundation there. There's, you know, a coach that's in place, a system that's in place, a culture that's in place. And that might have an effect where it rubbed off on Boogie. And you know what I mean? Like he he would want to settle down. He'd have a reason to settle down instead of the like garbage fire that is a Sacramento Kings. I mean, I know people don't pay attention a lot to what's going on in Sacramento, but their owner, that Viv Mr. Vivek, yeah. your boy, right? Like 
This is the same guy who owns an NBA team that tried to suggest in a meeting with cameras around, maybe they should try playing four on five on defense and have one player cherry pick so that they can get easy baskets. This is also the same executive who traded Carl Landry, Nick Stauskas, someone else, and a pick swap for Sixers for two players that I've never heard of in my life. I mean, it's good on Boogie to get out of this situation. Yeah, I think it's, the dysfunction is permeates throughout the entire franchise, and we, like, and the media and a lot of sports writers they love to blame the players. But man, I'd be pissed off and I'd be in a sour mood if every day I had to come into work and be in that kind of situation. And I mean, I I hear you know, uh, was it the Sacramento play-by-play guy or? Uh, yeah, yeah, who went hard in he, on Boogie. He went hard on Boogie, and he's talked about how, you know, most players that ever played with him didn't like him. There are rumors that when Isaiah Thomas was on uh, the Kings as well, they didn't really get along, or Boogie was kind of tough to play with because Isaiah wanted the ball, but Boogie wants the ball. Like, I understand all those things, and I get that those things can be an issue. But literally, when you look at the garbage fire of players that Boogie Cousins has played with, I mean, how much blame can you put on a guy that's putting up, what, 25 and 10s night after night? Like, yeah. and the next best player on his team is who? Right? Like, I get that a, one player is going to get you to a certain level, but not in this NBA and not in this Western Conference where no. the Western Conference has been a beast for Boogie's entire career. Like, I don't know how much you can blame him for him not being able to get his team anywhere where they draft terribly, they haven't made great trades. Like, and and every single year he has a new coach or he has yeah. a new GM yeah. and the one yeah. coach that he did get along with Brendan Malone or was it Brendan Malone no what's his name Mike Malone sorry Mike Malone yeah the one coach he did get along with they fired him like nothing that this organization has done has made sense and so now like I'm not going to be on their side over Boogie's side like I'm going to give this kid the benefit of the doubt and at least take a chance on again a top 10 player in the league. Like, honestly, if we were to go through it, Webby, how many dudes in the league would you rather have than Boogie Cousins? Seriously, like, the list isn't that long. He's definitely in my top 10. Now, the other thing, too, it's like, it's not as if Boogie, like, would give up on this team either. I mean, he was doing a lot of community outreach in Sacramento, and the thing about Boogie is he got better consistently every year, no matter how bad the Kings were doing. I mean, his game was... If you look at how he came in as a rookie and what he's doing now in terms of the different shots he can make and what he brings to the team, it's unbelievable. And, hey, if you really want him out of your clubhouse that bad, congratulations, Sacramento. You've done it, and now you get a lot in the dead game. You're kind of cutting out there a bit, my dude. Oh, sorry. No worries, I'm no saying, worries. I'm saying, like, you know, this is a guy whose game gets better every year. It's not like he lollygags it. It's not like... The, the the media blames the pouty face, the technical bounce. But you know what? Sacramento wanted him out so bad. He's gone. They got to lie in the bed they make. And uh, the flip side that we should also bring up, too, as to why Sacramento was so interested in making this trade, um, they have their own pick, but only if it's in the top 10. And right. they're kind of like teetering. Yeah. So, like, the flip side to this whole thing was if you're Sacramento – do you keep Boogie Cousins? Maybe you come close to the playoffs. So you're getting into eighth seed, maybe the seventh seed, but most likely the eighth seed. Um, 
you keep Boogie Cousins, you lose your draft pick, and then you sign him to $200 million, $210 million in the offseason. And then next year, you still don't have a pick to add to your team in a very deep draft. And you have a disgruntled Boogie Cousins because, again, you've given him no one to play with. So right. from that standpoint, I can understand why you're in a situation where you would like to move Boogie Cousins, right? Because you can say, okay, we're going to finally rebuild. But this whole but notion, listen. like this whole notion that you get Buddy Heald, and I don't know if you've uh, been hearing this stuff today, but they're talking about how Buddy Heald is a favorite of Vivek and uh, your boy Vladdy. They both love yeah. Buddy Heald, and they have this like sudden fascination where they want to be like Golden State. And Vivek has said that he thinks Buddy Heald can be a Steph Curry type player. Like what? Like maybe he enjoyed himself watching the the NCAA tournament last year because Buddy Heald right. did put on a show. But like, come on, man! Like, it just makes no sense to me. Nothing Sacramento does makes sense to me. Well, here's two things. All right, first, the Buddy Heald. There, you'll find no bigger fan of Buddy Heald out there than me. Uh, you know, when I was in the Bahamas, he was one of the guys that got to interview yes. over the phone when he was going to OU. Mm-hmm. He played in OU. I used to live in Oklahoma, and he had that crazy run of the Final Four. He was unbelievable. He's got a great story. He's a great shooter. Hasn't shown a lot so far in the pros, but I, I really think that he can be a good third, fourth, fifth piece for a good team but certainly not somebody you would trade for Boogie Cousins. Exactly. And the other thing is, you talked about the, the top 10 protected pick, but it's like the, the Kings now have to finish in the soft middle because if they if they really tank and they bottom out this year, the Sixers have that pick swap with them in the Stauskas deal. So if the Kings finish dead last or in the bottom three, the yeah. Sixers can turn around. Who The Sixers, uh, I, listen, I hate to keep this Philly-centric, but Nothing the Sixers have been playing well lately. And if they keep winning and the Kings keep losing, it's just another win. It's another W for Sam Hinkie. I mean, it's a crazy, crazy situation. And I think just the the dysfunction of Sacramento, like if you really think that Buddy Heald is going to be your Steph Curry, I mean, that's not a, I don't mean to knock Buddy Heald because I think, as you said, he can be a very solid piece to a good team. So I don't mean yeah. to knock Buddy Heald, but if they're bringing him in thinking he can be a Steph Curry like piece to their operation, like, come on, like that's just an unfair burden to place on the kid when he's already going to have a big enough burden because he's being traded for their franchise player. But I mean, why are you trying to mimic golden state? Like, that's the thing I don't understand about the entire NBA. Like golden state works because like Steph Curry was able to flourish because he played beside Klay Thompson, who's also a great shooter, so you can't double-team Steph, but also Klay Thompson's a good defender, so Steph doesn't yep. have to play defense. Then you add in Draymond. Draymond is a forward who is unlike a lot of other big guys who brings up the ball and who can pass the ball. Like These are all pieces in Golden State, and then I didn't even mention Kevin Durant yet, but these are all yeah, pieces right. that just fit together, and it's a very, such an unusual like matchup of team of a team that like you're even able to sign all these guys and have all these guys and draft all these guys and being late picks, not even top picks that you're now going to sit back and say for us to be successful, we're going to emulate golden state. Like that doesn't even make sense to me. Like, why would you do that? No, copying, copying a blueprint, like what golden state has with the warriors is a, it's a fool's errand. I mean, you're gonna you're gonna put yourself in a dysfunction like the Kings have if you keep trying to chase this dragon. What you have to do 
is figure out what you're good at, what pieces you have, and what assets you can acquire to put the best product on the floor, on the court. And and to try and to try and copycat what another team does, I think it doesn't work out for anybody. I can't think of any team in the history of great NBA teams that said it, it's not like the Lakers looked at the Celtics back in the early '80s and said, "Oh, this is what they're doing. Let's let's copy that." You know, I don't think that. It, Cleveland looked at Golden State and said, oh, we've got to copy that. No, they found their strengths and they built around it. And that's how you get success in the NBA. So good luck, Vivek, if you're trying to copy Golden State, because here's a spoiler alert. It's not going to work. <laughs> well, there's so it's true. And there's so many weird things that come out of that organization, because as we said, from the top down, it's a complete gong show. And there's so many leagues. And today you had multiple guys. You had Brian Windhorse and... I want to say uh, someone else. I can't remember who it was on Twitter, but they were telling the story. And these are like legitimate NBA, like credible reporters, right? League people. And they said one of the biggest factors in trading Cousins was uh, he was suspended last week. And I did read this. Yeah, he was suspended last week. And it was a game against the Boston Celtics. And the Kings managed to win the game. And in that game without Cousins, their like brass was so impressed by how the team played without cousins that they thought, whoa, well, you know what? Maybe we aren't that bad with them. Or sorry, where we aren't that bad without them. <laughs> and that led to them thinking more and more about trading DeMarcus Cousins. Now, why you would take one game in February <laughs> as like something that would override a full career of DeMarcus Cousins, I have no idea. But again, Nothing that this organization does makes sense. The other story that I heard was a couple of weeks ago when the Kings beat the Warriors in the regular season with Boogie in the lineup. After the game, Boogie was walking down the uh, down the tunnel to the locker room and he shouted out, "Fuck Golden State!" And I guess Vivek heard him, yeah, and was and thought to himself, you know, I I don't want that kind of uh, attitude in my in my ball club. <laughs> one of the best teams of our generation and and you want to get rid of him because he dropped an f-bomb it's like are you kidding me it's so ridiculous but i mean vivek i don't know he's boys with drake so maybe that's this like 2017 soft generation i don't know what's going on but that's like it's just so crazy to me that boogie's getting a lot of flack for being this like bad guy as if like people can't mature right like where's this like i don't understand how like as grown-ups we don't have this expectation that just like we can mature as we grow up, that professional athletes can't grow up and mature, you know, after coming up in a terrible environment. Cause that's what Boogie's been in. It's been a garbage fire his entire career. And I'm excited to see how this might pair up with Anthony Davis, but I'm actually just excited to see what's going to happen with Boogie. Cause who knows, maybe it doesn't work with Anthony Davis and then they flip him and he goes to another team, right? But we've seen it time and time again in the NBA where people have been labeled as problems. Like, again, going back to another example from that Pistons team, a guy like Chauncey Billups, he bounced I'm around a lot say, yeah. as well, right? And then, you know, he he butted heads with coaches and then all of a sudden you just find the right fit and things click and it and it's good from there. Like, I mean, I'm... I'm all in on Boogie. I wanted him to be on the Raptors. I thought that would have been great. I thought that would have been a great backup for in case you can't re-sign Kyle Lowry. You can say, okay, fine. Well, we have DeMarcus Cousins and DeMar DeRozan. Cool. We can still go forward and still know that we're a middle-of-the-pack team in the Eastern Conference. And if, Kyle, you want to leave, cool. That's on you. 
right? And I just think that DeMarcus Cousins is someone that I would want on my team. No matter what, you give me the talent and I pay people millions of dollars to figure out how to get the most out of that talent. It's not wholly on, solely on them. Especially as a fan. I mean, uh, as a fan of a team, to see a guy like that come to your town and put on your jersey and drop 30 and 15 in just a enormous effort. I mean, that's all you can ask for. And I hope that's what we get with Surge, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because, like, DeMarcus Cousins would have came into Toronto and instantly been the best player on the team. You know, it might have taken a while to figure out how that all might come together, but he possibly would have been the best player on the team right away. Serge Ibaka, I think at this point, they want him, like, he will score some for sure, but I think it's more about having a rim protector out there in your starting lineup and someone to cover up the holes of the what's become a terrible defensive team and nobody can keep anyone in front of them. So I, I understand the Serge Ibaka move, but I, I also wonder if things changed, you know, like we, we won't know if Masai was ever in on DeMarcus Cousins or what the Raptors really thought right. of DeMarcus Cousins. We won't know that, right? But I do wonder if, if it's a possibility that they were in and then realized nothing was happening, get Serge, and then now all of a sudden DeMarcus Cousins was back on the block. Because, I mean, it kind of seems like the Kings were flip-flopping. Like, there were all these quotes over the weekend and last week about how, how like, they weren't going to trade him. They were definitely not trading DeMarcus Cousins, right? And, like, did they flip-flop? Were they just bluffing the whole time? Like, who knows whatever their strategy was. But to just say, if you're Vladdy Divox, to say, hey, we had a better offer two days ago, and now that offer's gone? Like, so why wouldn't you just wait till the trade deadline? Like, you're telling me the Pelicans were pulling this offer of Buddy Heald and you couldn't have gotten this deal done on Thursday? Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just so weird. Do you think we'll ever know what that other offer was? Yes, I think we will because they'll leak it. Because that organization is just like... more holes in a fucking sinking ship over there in Sacramento. Exactly. Uh, The other thing, too, that came out today was uh, the Lakers. Because Woj last night, the thing about what was going on Sunday night with Woj was that he was tweeting out, like, you know, there's a bunch of teams involved. Uh, the Lakers are not involved. The Pelicans seem to have the best offer. Like, he was tweeting out information and just, like, sucking everybody in with each and every tweet, right? But the Lakers, I found the most interesting because they didn't want to give up Brandon Ingram. Like, that was their stick. That was, like, the Pels wanted to make a deal, but the Lakers refused if Brandon Ingram was in the deal. How does that make any sense to me? Well, listen, I, I'd be way more happy parting with Buddy Heald for Boogie Cousins than I would be parting with Brandon Ingram. Or Brandon Ingram. I think Ingram's <clears throat> Ingram's a real talent, and he's got real uh, potential to be to be a really good NBA player. And with what LA is doing, they don't want to get better this year. I don't think because they. If they finish outside the top three, yes, they lose their pick oh, sorry, as well. If they finish outside the, if they finish inside, out, sorry, outside the bottom three, the Sixers get their pick. Yes, so they want to bottom out and come Hinkie in the bottom has three. Hinky's got his paws all over this trade deadline, and it's crazy. <laughs> you and your Sixers, eh? They're they are big players, big time players in this whole thing, and it's super interesting to see how that's all going to play out. And I agree with you with the whole Brandon Ingram thing that you know it'll be interesting to see how he develops as a player and he might turn into being a great player. That's cool. But I'm not, he's not going to be the thing that stops me from getting boogie cousins, especially when I'm the Lakers. And I know that, and I know this is sentimental and a very fan thing to say, but if I'm the Lakers and I know that all of our great teams 
were all centered around us getting a dominant okay, big right. man, right? When yeah. you go to Kareem and then you go to Shaq, and then even if you think of the post-Shaq Kobe teams, they still needed Gasol and Bynum, right? Like those were still like major pieces to their success. And I get that it's a different NBA, but again, give me the better player and I'll figure it out because no matter who you are, I'm dumping it down to Boogie Cousins late in the game and he can get you a bucket. But if you're the Lakers, don't do that don't do that deal this year because you're already 30 games. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah, you're yeah, no, I know what you're out. saying. You wait you wait the one year and then you go at Biggie with the big money. Or you go Boogie with the big money. Yeah. You know, you, no, I you, hear you. you get that you get your bottom three draft pick, you you draft Josh Jackson out of Kansas, or you get Lonzo Ball out of UCLA, and then you bring in Biggie after he becomes a free agent. To do it now didn't make sense for the Lakers for me, just because they're so far out of it and the pick thing. Because if they make a run with Boogie on the team this year, they kind of screw themselves for the future. But if you wait a year, you get that pick, and then you make a run at Boogie with the money and after if next season. makes a lot more sense. And if I'm not mistaken, so 2018, he'll be a free agent, and Russ is a free agent after next yeah. year too? I think yeah. like, so there, there's a lot of things on the table there. And I, I know exactly the point that you're making. And it does make a lot of sense that if you are the Lakers, you wait it out and you don't give up assets to someone who you might be able to sign in free agency anyways, because we don't know if he's going to want to stay in new Orleans. We don't know that. Yeah. Right. And you know, there's always a lot of behind the scenes stuff going on with teams that we might not be privy to, but I mean, this has just been the best example of why the NBA wins. You can have All-Star Weekend be a dud for like the the average common fan, right? But like at the end of the day, they will still always win because you're tuning in to see, oh, are Russ and KD going to shake hands? Are they going to pass it to each other? How many times are they going to be on the court together? Who's going to go for MVP? And then the biggest trade of the off se- of the entire season happens the night of. Like it's just the NBA, there's always stuff happening, and it's just such a great storyline. Like, I was, I'll be honest with you. Like, we're doing this right now for this trade, and I wanted to do this when the Raptors traded for Surge that same night. And I was just right. kind of like, uh, you know, okay, next time something happens, I'll figure it out, and we'll figure out a way to do it. But there's just always something going on with the NBA, and that's why this time I was like, nope, can't pass this up. Got to make the call. Got to make the late night call and figure this out because got to talk about boogie this is just amazing uh well the the other thing is too i mean you might have to be calling me tomorrow morning because as i left work there were just rumblings going on on social media carmelo anthony's name coming up blake griffin's name coming up and jimmy butler's name coming up it's i mean we're not even it's monday the trade the trade deadline isn't for another three days this is going to go on for the better part of a week and you're absolutely right about the NBA. They just have it right, and they're such a well-run league. Adam Silver's appointment as commissioner a couple of years ago is going to go down in the history of sports as one of the best hires for a commissioner in any league. I mean, he just gets it, and the league gets it. They, they do so well on social media, and I, it's, it's going to overtake the NFL soon. I really think so, because the NFL is trending downwards in terms of Kids or moms aren't letting their kids play it, whereas the NBA and basketball is just going to keep growing globally and here locally in North America. It's just awesome. It's true, and that's one of the the flip side things of this whole Steph Curry Golden State Warriors thing. Okay, every kid might not be able to like jump out of the gym and like throw down three sixty dunks, but every kid can learn how to shoot. 
And I'm not saying yep. you're going to be able to shoot as great as Steph Curry can, but with practice, at least it's there's a chance that you can do that, right? And I think like that opens up the game so much more to so many other people. And you know, so much of the success of Steph Curry being this little guy, like basically running the league, you have a lot of people that are rooting for him because he's kind of like the underdog, right? Like, oh, he can do that. I, I root for that guy. Like, I see kind of myself in him. Do you know what I mean? That type of thing. And oh, I think like that that plays a huge part into all the storylines and stuff that goes into why the NBA is so successful, right? Not only that, but I was talking to my dad about this not too long ago. And uh, in the early 90s, early 90s to early 2000s, really before LeBron James, uh, BLBJ as I call that time, mm-hmm. um, the NBA was just in a, in a hole because it didn't have, after Jordan left, before LeBron came, it didn't have any likable stars that they could promote yeah they didn't i mean they had uh, the biggest the biggest star of those like mid 90s teams was isaiah Ryder, who was just not a great person (laughs) but but now with the with like the service programs that the nba has for these players to like uh, be active in the community and you have great personalities like like lebron like steph even like russ who is such a different kind of cat and can (laughs) They just appeal to a, such a broad, uh, a broad amount of people, a broad amount of sports fans. So even if you don't like Russ, you might like Steph. If you don't like Steph, you might like KD. But all these guys seem to be on the up and up, and it's a huge boom for the NBA. It's great. I totally agree, and I, I find it like such a a thing where every single night there's a storyline, and even in like. Because uh, I was excited, one of the storylines heading into this season was the New York Knicks, right? And there were obviously high expectations for them to make the playoffs and all that stuff. Right. And even though that didn't happen, look at how entertaining that team has been. Like, it's almost an afterthought now that, what, three weeks ago, a month ago, that Derrick Rose just went AWOL and didn't show up for a game. That's almost like an afterthought now, right? Because there's been so much else that's been going on with that team for the entire year. And again, like, I love the drama. It's just so exciting. And especially when you're talking about these long, drawn-out regular seasons in all sports, other than football, obviously, but where, like, the regular season tends to not matter, the NBA is so much, like, it keeps itself so much more important because there's always these other storylines to make this, like, you know, a random Tuesday night game exciting. Well, like, absolutely. How, how excited like are we for the Raptors football, Celtics? The thing in football is any given Sunday. Well, in the NBA, it's every given night. There's at least something that you're going to go, oh my God, in the NBA once a night. At least. Yeah, it's so good. It's so good. And it's been so much fun. And again, as we said, the trade deadline happen, is happening on Wednesday. We're taping what? this right now, Monday night. I assume this podcast will be up Tuesday morning. Uh, so obviously there's still stuff that could happen by the time this gets out, but I'm going to, uh, close this by asking you, what do you think who, like, there's still names out there. Jimmy Butler, I guess Carmelo could happen. Who knows? But Jimmy Butler is probably the biggest name that's still out there that could be moved. Uh, do you think Jimmy Butler will be traded by the deadline? Or if not, like, what do you think will be the biggest move made by the deadline? I think the biggest move made by the deadline will be Blake Griffin of the Boston Celtics. Woo! Okay, okay. That's what I think. That's yeah, there's a lot of that buzzing around right now on Twitter. Actually, uh, I think that Butler might get moved, but I don't think he goes to Boston. He might go somewhere else. The other one that I lo- that I saw just as I was leaving work was Derrick Rose to possibly the Minnesota Timberwolves, <laughs> which is so weird. 
Such which would an be odd amazing. Thing. I thought him but and so, Tibbs didn't get along. Like, isn't that a weird? Like, that's so weird to me. Uh, now, before I go, because I am freezing my ass off here, I'm doing this outside. But I have one question before I go for you. Okay. Say the Pelicans make the playoffs or just miss the playoffs and get bounced in the first round if they make it. Okay. How much money is it going to take John Calipari to leave Kentucky and move to New Orleans to coach the Pelicans? I wouldn't do it if I was him. You wouldn't do it? No. You could offer me all the money you want, and I wouldn't do it because he might make he might make less money staying at Kentucky, but it's just a better situation for him unless he's jumping to go to, you know, maybe if you add John Wall to that team, right? maybe we could be talking then. But yeah, I don't know. So, maybe. Maybe. But I just don't think that just the two of those guys would be enough to get me to leave Kentucky where, like, he has – you know, Elite Eight, not guaranteed, but 90% chance Calipari is getting to the Elite Eight every single year with his top recruiting classes. Like, that would be tough for me to leave, to go to the NBA, to join New Orleans, not really a big market, but you have two of your guys, but you got to, like, coach coach in the NBA. You know what I mean? Like, especially in a situation like that where you have two big guys, two dominant bigs like that where you got to figure out how that's going to work. Yeah, I don't know. That that wouldn't it, get me out. Uh, the only way I feel that Cal- Calipari leaves, the one thing I was going to say is the only way I feel Calipari leaves was if maybe there's a situation like that, but you add in another great player and it's in a bigger market. If it's right. kind of like Billy Donovan leaving because he was going to coach KD and Russ. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Two top well, five it, teams, but it, two top five players. It would sorry. be... It would be different, too, if the Pelicans didn't already have a really good coach in Alvin Gentry. Also true. Also yeah. true. But it's a great point. And, it, I mean, will Cal eventually leave to go to <laughs> to go to the NBA? I'm not really sure. But it'd be, it's, it adds a super, super interesting uh, dynamic to this. And I bet you Alvin Gentry is definitely thinking about that, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> well, Webby, thank you very much for, for calling in, man. And this was super cool just to make sure that we got in on this uh, DeMarcus Cousins talk. And I'm going to put this out there. Call me, if you got to call me in the morning because Jimmy Butler got traded, hey, you got my number. We'll do. We'll do that. Uh, I just want to close out by saying Raptor fans uh, and you as well, Webby, if you think that the Raptors should have gotten DeMarcus Cousins instead, let us know. Hit us up on Twitter. Uh, find us on Twitter or hit us in the comment section of this post because we want to keep the conversation going along. You know, like this isn't just a, once a week thing. This is a 24 hour conversation that we have on blast where we're putting people on blast, right? Obviously always on blast, always for the people. Exactly. Hope you enjoyed this emergency edition of the on blast podcast. And as always, as you know, unpolished and unapologetic. On blast. My whip drop like bitches asses. Cargo ready to package. Paid up. I see haters watching, so fucking turn it up. Let these bitches drop it.